God is doing some really incredible things here at Praise Assembly. Um, and I'm convinced that those things are a part of God calling us to step into something new as a church. And we've been talking a lot about this and kind of what those next steps look like for us here at Praise Assembly. And there's some reasons why I believe God is calling us into that. First, uh, truly, um, the Lord blesses for a reason, right? He pours out blessings on us in order that we might be a blessing to other people, right? Even as he gives comfort to us, his word says that he gives us comfort in order that we might be a comfort to those who are around us who need comfort. And so as he pours out blessings on us, he's doing that for a reason. And he's pouring that blessing out, in, as I believe, in preparation for what he would have us do as this next big step. And so I'm, I'm convinced of that for that reason. Just even as we celebrated last week, this is an indication of God calling us into something new. There's another reason why as well. I, I'm convinced of the fact that God is doing something in our hearts. We've been talking a lot about that as well. And I believe that when God does something in our hearts, he doesn't intend for it to stay in our hearts. Instead, uh, we've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again, the best work moves outward. What he does in our hearts, he does for a reason in order that it might move outward to those around us. And so we've been talking a lot all year long about what God is doing in our hearts as a church. And last week I mentioned to you uh, uh, First Chronicles chapter 28 or 29 verse 18. And, and I would encourage you, if you haven't done it yet this last week, if you remember it, it wasn't just a space holder in the service. <laughs> um, really, I'm asking you officially as the pastor of Praise Assembly, I am putting a request before you. If you haven't written it down yet, write it down now. First Chronicles 29 verse 18. We, we read it and went, got, got really deep into this prayer of David on Wednesday. It was so, so good. Um, but First Chronicles 29, 18, pray that prayer. I'm asking that you would pray it every single day for the rest of the year. Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct our hearts towards you. And let's see if this whole church is praying the exact same thing over this church to see what God does. So for the next six months, commit yourself to it. First Chronicles 29, 18. Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct our hearts towards you. And so as God is working in our hearts, and I see him clearly working in our hearts, our offerings uh, were just an indication of that, what God is doing on a deeper level. He's doing it for a reason. But then there's also a third reason why I'm convinced that God is doing something really incredible in this church in preparation for something new. And that's the manner in which I believe the enemy is attacking this church. I've watched as he has attacked individuals. I've watched as he's attacked families. I've watched as he's attacked me. And I believe that in the midst of those attacks, I believe that the enemy is trying to uh, sideline the good work that God is doing in this church. For me, this is what this looks like, just totally transparently. I don't I don't know how to do this, but just to be transparent, the way it looks for me is for whatever reason, even as God has been doing incredible things in this church and just pouring out his blessing on this church, I've just been struggling for the last several months with this just, just weird, out of, out of nowhere even fears, fears that just kind of just grip my heart, and, and, and it's like 
I don't even know where they're coming from. There's no reason for them, and yet there they show up regularly. And I'm convinced that it's an attack from the enemy. And the only way that I know to fight the enemy is with the Word of God. Okay? So I have been quoting scriptures in battle with the enemy for months now. A big one that I have regularly been speaking, preaching to my own heart, and speaking and preaching to the enemy is Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uplift you and uphold you with my righteous right arm. That's the only thing I know to do, is to just call him out for what he is, a liar, and to preach the word of God to my own heart and to him. And so even as he's attacking me in that way, I've just been reading a lot of scripture about fear in particular. It's all through the Bible. And I really felt like even this morning that there were others who just really needed to see how Jesus told us to handle fear. And so this morning, that's what I want to do uh, with you. And, and I, for lack of a better name, and, and I didn't even, like, I couldn't, this is what I got for the name. From fear to fear to fear. That's how Jesus wants us to handle fear. From fear to fear to fear. Okay? When I was eight years old, I uh, was at my grandparents' house. I loved going to my grandparents' house. I've told you guys this story before, um, or at least some of this story before. I think it was somewhere around when I was eight years old. I've tried to think back to it to make sure that I'm actually accurate on it, but I think it was somewhere around there. I'm tracking backwards and trying to remember, and brains are funny, and you remember things different maybe even than they actually happen. But I think this happened at my grandparents' house as I've tried to zero in on it. My grandparents lived right on Lake Michigan in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and so the, the water was crystal clear. It's not like in Kenosha where we live right on Lake Michigan as well, but it's so close to Chicago that the waters are just gross. And so, uh, but up in Upper, P, uh, Upper Peninsula of Michigan, uh, the UP, it is just crystal clear. And so they, their, back, their backyard went right out onto the white sandy beach, and so every day we would go swimming. And I loved going just for that reason. So my parents would drop me off for a week every year. I think it was not only vacation for me. I think it may also have been vacation for them um, because I'm one of six kids, and I totally would get that. Uh, but they would drop us off. And I loved going to my grandparents because we could go swimming, but I also loved going to my grandparents because my grandparents had cable. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I never, I, I was actually thinking about this this week, I've never owned cable, satellite, anything. When I was growing up, back in the day, we used to have those dials. How many of you guys had those things? So we had an antenna on the roof, and if you wanted to watch a specific, I thought it was advanced. I mean, it's super cool. Looking back on it, I'm like, I can't believe we ever did that. But there was a motor on the roof on the antenna so that, like, if you wanted to watch NBC, we had this little dial, and we drew on it with... Um, with uh, like a Sharpie that said NBC is this way, and you turn the dial towards NBC, and you hear, and it turned the antenna towards NBC, and then you would watch it. Anybody else? Okay, cool. All right, that was the, the high-end version of over-the-air TV. So I never had cable, but when we went to my grandparents' house, I could watch cable, and so that meant that every morning I'd wake up, and we'd eat cereal, and I'd get to watch Cartoon Network, Rocky and Bullwinkle, Yep. And one day, and I think it was at my grandparents' house, because I don't think my parents would have ever allowed me to watch it. One day, 
on cable. I don't know if my grandparents were around or if they just didn't care or if they were gone. And I watched Jaws <laughs> at eight years old. And since that day, I've told you this before, and I know it's totally and completely like it's, it's not a legitimate fear. I get that it's totally irrational, but to this day, I have uh, an irrational fear of sharks, okay? And, and I don't think anybody can watch Jaws at the age of eight and not have an irrational fear of sharks. And, and so when I was in Kenosha, Wisconsin, thinking, where should I move? I thought, what is the place that is farthest away from any ocean on every side? And I got Springfield, Missouri. So that's, that's, why, that's why I'm here. And I see people who go to the Bahamas on vacation or people who go to Florida or North Carolina and they're on the beach and they're like, oh, yes, yeah, awesome sharks. And I'm like, you're there. Why would any... I, I have no desire ever to swim in the ocean. I swam in the ocean one time. I'm never going back. I don't have any desire whatsoever to ever swim in the ocean. And I get that that's irrational. And I get the fact that there's no basis for that. I told my children, you know, I have an irrational fear of sharks. And Asher said to me, really? And Clara goes, Clara goes you, know, you know, they wouldn't try to eat you. It would be an accident if they did. Thank you. That's so helpful. But I even, I remember, I remember the point at which I read for the first time that sharks can adapt to fresh water. Oh, thanks a lot for that, you know. And I remember, legitimately, I remember the moment when I was in a pool where I thought, there's a shark in this pool with me. Totally irrational. I get that it's irrational. I understand that there's no way there's a shark in the pool with me. But I could hear behind me. Donna. Right? Get out of the water. Get out of the water. And, and, and this is totally irrational. I know it's irrational, but the fear is still there. My fears that I've been dealing with, I think some of them are obviously irrational. None of them are about sharks. But they, they just come out of nowhere, and I get that they're irrational, and telling myself that they're irrational is not the thing that's getting rid of them. Because they're just little what-ifs. They're what-ifs at home. They're what-ifs here at Praise. They're what-ifs in my family. They're what-ifs in regards to my health. And telling myself what's irrational or what's rational is not getting the job done. And so that's why I went to Scripture, and truly, 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 I see J Jesus say some things about this that speak right to the heart of it. And so what I want to do today is I want to read those things to you. So if you would grab your Bibles, and uh, once you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 12. If you don't own a Bible, there are some that are spread out all through the seats today. Um, and uh, once you grab your Bible, if you have one of the church Bibles, Luke chapter 12 will be on page 800. And 71, uh, 871, Luke chapter 12. If you haven't done it yet, grab praise.fyi on your phone. Open it, grab your phone, open it up to praise.fyi. Tap on message notes. You'll find all of the scriptures that we're going to be reading through today um, there. And you can follow along and take notes as well and send those to yourself 
uh, after the fact. Luke chapter 12, Jesus uh, is the one who's talking, and here in verse 4, he mentions in three verses, he mentions the word fear five times. And so that's why I think this is so incredibly appropriate uh, for us today. Um, And so I'm just going to read those three verses. In my um, Bible, the title over the top of it is Have No Fear. Okay, so have no fear according to Jesus. Here's what he has to say. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. First thing I see here is that Jesus refers to his disciples as friends. This is only one of two places that Jesus does that. The other is over in John when he says, I tell you, you're my friends. But here he says, I tell you, my friends. So he is speaking to his disciples. He is calling them his friends. And he tells them, do not fear those who can kill you. Those who can take your life. In general, I think we fear those who are more powerful than us. Right? So it's totally rational to fear those who can kill us, those who have more power. The reason why I fear sharks is when I'm in the water, I'm in their domain, right? Like, they are more powerful than I am in that domain. And so I fear them because they're outside my control. It's, a, it's irrational, but that's where it comes from. It comes from a power which is greater than mine. And here he's talking about somebody who has power over them, but he says, don't, don't fear them who can kill your body because... That's all they can do. So I guess that's encouraging because Jesus is saying to them, they have power over you, but there is a limit on the amount of power that they have. So don't fear them. But then Jesus keeps talking and he says, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Amen. Let's go get some food. Um, If you were dealing with fear, the problem is you don't fear enough. All right, God bless. I mean, that's what Jesus says here. He says, okay, so you're afraid of people who can take your life. Here's your problem. Your problem is you're fearing those who are limited in their power when ultimately you should be fearing the one who is unlimited in his power and not only could kill you, but could also condemn you to hell. Fear that one, Jesus says. Now, that does not seem the most encouraging to me as I read it. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed you, has authority to cast into hell. And so Jesus seems to be saying, move from the fear that you've got to a much greater fear. If you want to fear appropriately, don't fear the lesser of the two powers. 
fear the greater of the two powers. Both of them are more powerful than you, but fear the one who is even more powerful still. About four chapters before this, Jesus and his disciples are, are, are going across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is asleep. The disciples are in the boat. It, it starts getting stormy. The winds are blowing. The, the waves are all crashing against the side of the boat. The disciples get afraid. They call Jesus. They say, Jesus, wake up. Why are you sleeping? And he gets up and he says, peace be still. The storm's stop, the waves stop, the the wind stops, all of it stops. And he turns towards his disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have so little faith? And then in Mark chapter 4, verse 41, after he says to them, why are you still so afraid? Is your faith so small? It says their response is this. Filled with great fear, they said to one another, Who is this then, who even the winds and the waves obey him? Their fear of the wind and the waves is no longer a fear. (laughs) Now it says that they look at Jesus and their fear is great. Why? Because his power is greater. Because they look around and they see the storms and that they were gone and that the waves are totally, the water is still and the wind is no longer blowing. And they look at Jesus and they see he is a greater power. So their fear of him makes the fear of other things totally dissipate. So what he's saying is fear the greater power and the lesser fears will go away. That's what I seem to be reading right here. And I used to think that all fear was bad. I used to think that, that, that all fear was from the enemy. And I don't know that I believe that anymore. I'm not, I can't say that I would go that far, that all fear is from the enemy. I used to read Genesis chapter 3, verse, verse 10, which says that uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, and, and Adam and Eve are, are hiding because Jesus, or God is coming, and as, as he's approaching and he's calling out to them, um, they respond, and they, they're hiding, and, and God says, why are you hiding? And they said, because we heard you, and we were afraid. And I used to think, wait a second, is that a, should they have been afraid? And now, after reading this and reading more these last few months, yeah, absolutely, I think they should. The right response of a sinful people to a holy and righteous God is fear. And I read that and I think, okay, so what would a better response have been from Adam? A flippant kind of like, oh God, we ate that apple. (laughs) Or would it have been better if he would have just been like, so we messed up, God, I know it's not a big deal. No, that's not the right approach. The right approach in in the midst of our own sinfulness and a holy God is absolute fear. And the opposite of that would be a heart that is hard. And that is not a place to be. In fact, in in Proverbs chapter 24 or 28 verse 14, I'm going to flip there, but it's not going to be on the screens. Proverbs 28 verse 14, it says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So the opposite of a fear of the Lord is a hard heart. He says, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, who has a fear of God that is right, and it is right to fear God. Hebrews 10, 31, um, probably one of 
the scariest verses in the Bible. And yet the verse that probably one of the most beautiful sermons ever preached by a guy named Jonathan Edwards says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that is spot on. He preached a sermon called In the Hands of an Angry God. And it led to the greatest revival in the history of America. That one sermon, In the Hands of an Angry God. It is right to fear God. And what Satan does with our fear is he seeks to corrupt it. The right kind of fear is fearing God and running from evil. Let me show you what I mean by that. Over in Exodus chapter 20, there's a passage there that I think is just such a beautiful passage to show how our fear of God helps other fears to dissipate. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, I'm going to start reading. What's happening here is Moses is up on the mountain and everybody's seeing all the thunder and the lightning on the mountain. And as they see the thunder and the lightning, Moses comes down. They're all terrified. Here's what it says in verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Okay, hear that again. Do not fear. Why? Because God has come to test you. He's come to put in your heart a fear of him. So don't fear, because God is coming to put a fear inside of you that you may not sin. So as we fear God, all other fears kind of lessen. As we fear him more, fear of others decrease. And yet in the midst of it, it's the fear which is supposed to keep us from sin. It is fear that is supposed to make us run from sin, and and we're supposed to fear God. But Satan tries to turn that around. He tries to make us fear evil, and run from God. He corrupts the way God designed fear to look. And let's be clear, I've heard people say over and over again, and I don't think it's right, that when we read fear God in the Bible, that it's just talking about respect God. Okay, I don't read that in Luke chapter 12, verse 4. Do you see this as like a tip of the hat towards God? towards a a taking off of your hat in in his presence as if that's like a, a respect for God. Hear what Jesus says. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Does that sound just like a a respect towards God? I don't think so. When I read that, I I read real, legitimate, actual fear of God. And that is the proper response in the presence of a holy and righteous God. That when he's on the mountain, the thunder and the lightning crashes. And we look at it and we are terrified in his presence. That is the right response to God. 
And so what it's, Jesus is saying here, but as you fear him, those other fears will dissipate. So don't fear less, he says. Fear more. Move from fear to a greater fear. But he doesn't stop there. And I think it's so interesting that he doesn't stop there. Because the passage changes fundamentally at this point. And I think it's beautiful how quickly it shifts right after he says that. It is right to fear. And as you fear him properly, you'll fear others less. But then he continues and he says, yes, I tell you fear him. Verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. In Matthew, it has the same passage. And there it says, is not two sparrows sold for one penny? I think that's interesting because apparently two sparrows sold for one penny. Five sparrows sold for two pennies. So if you buy four, you get one thrown in for free. That's how cheap these things were. And yet... Even the free one, the one tossed in on top because it's so worthless, even that one, God knows and cares about. He says, he cares for the sparrows. Verse 7, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. How quickly Jesus shifted here. No, the problem isn't that you fear. The problem is you don't fear enough. And that God whom you are totally right to fear, because he is a just and righteous and holy God, that one whom you should fear way more than you should fear anybody else, that God cares more for you than he does for sparrows. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 17 says, Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. So all of our fears in light of his care for us should be put on his own shoulders. So right here in the second half of this passage, you see this really very clear next step. So proper fear is the beginning of wisdom, of fear of God. But then this points us towards Jesus Christ, right? Because it talks about this God who cares so deeply for us that it says, fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. There's a passage which talks about this, and, and, and I want to read this passage to you too. It's, it actually refers back to that passage we just read from Exodus chapter 20 where where Moses is coming down the mountain and they see the mountain and they see the thunder and they see the lightning and they, they're terrified. And, and, and then over in Hebrews chapter 12, it actually refers back to that, starting in verse 18, but we're not going to read all of it just because there's so much. Um, we're going to start reading in verse 21. This is talking about uh, us and, and what this looks like for us. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 21 says, Indeed, so terrifying was the sight, talking about that in Exodus chapter 20, that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion 
and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Say that ten times fast. Innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. (laughs) This is so good. He says, yes, absolutely. The presence of God is a fearful thing. But then he says, but you come to a different mountain. You come to Mount Zion. And you come to the one who is the mediator of a better covenant. The one who shed a better blood, Jesus Christ. And he says, in light of Jesus Christ, skip down then to verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful For receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Those words, reverence and awe, are both ridiculously close to the word fear, but not quite. You see, we move from fear of these lesser things to a much greater fear. And we need to properly understand that we don't need to diminish that by calling it any less than it is. This is real fear Jesus is talking about. But he said, God has not changed. He is still a consuming fire. But now our fear has changed. We went from fear to fear to some other sort of fear. The best way I can describe this is something that happened recently at our house. And I think it's the perfect picture of it. See, I told my son that I was irrationally fear of sharks and he said really I said well you're afraid of tornadoes one thing I was never afraid of at his age was tornadoes so I told him so (laughs) and then I showed him that movie Sharknado have you guys heard of that (laughs) I'm just kidding I would never do that He's six, come on. But he's always kind of had this fear of tornadoes. And legitimately, when I was growing up in Kenosha, we didn't get tornado warnings ever. Or very rarely, I should say. We might have gotten two or three the entire time when I was growing up. But here we come to Missouri. And it's like, earlier this year, there was a point where we had like 13 days of, of tornado warnings in a row. It's like a new record for the United States. I, crazy. Um, but Asher has always been, had this fear of tornadoes. Um, Any times it would rain, it would be, Dad, is there going to be a tornado today? Anytime it would be lightning or thundering and he's laying in bed, is there going to be a tornado tonight? And, and he had this fear. 
And then earlier this year, something shifted for him. What happened was, it was maybe the first night of those 13 days or somewhere in the midst of it where we've never had to do this fully before. We've had multiple times in our family where we've had to go down to the basement. But one of those days, the tornadoes were tracking right towards where we were, and, or at least the warnings were saying Ebenezer. And so we not only went into our basement, but we went into, we went into our safe room. And our safe room is a room that is completely encased in concrete and has a reinforced door on it. It was the first time that we've had to actually go all the way in there because of what they were saying on KY3 at the time. And so we're sitting there in there, and we had prepared because we knew that there were going to be storms, and so we'd put beanbag chairs in there, and we had our dog, and we were having a fun time together. And it was stormy out, and the wind was blowing, and it was raining and whipping against the windows, and the trees were blowing, and the hail, you could hear it on the roof. I mean, it was just like same kind of storm as it's always been. And the next day, after we all kind of went to bed, Asher asked me, Dad, are are there going to be tornadoes again tonight? And I said... I mean, they had actually said that there probably were going to be, and I said, yeah, probably they're saying that there's going to be more warnings tonight. He said, okay, and I said, does that, does that scare you? And he said, no, I'm not afraid of tornadoes anymore. And I said, why not? He said, because we have a safe room. The storm was just as fierce. The winds were whipping just as loud. The thunder crashed just as much. And I think that is such a picture of what we as believers, how we fear God. Because if we picture ourselves climbing a rock face halfway up, Let's say you look in the distance and you see the storm coming and you know you cannot get to the top in time and you know you cannot get to the bottom in time. So you start scrambling, looking about, is there anywhere where I could find purchase? Because you know if that storm hits, it's going to rip you off the side of that cliff. And you find just this little tiny cleft in the rock and you climb in. And you find that it's the perfect size for you. And that storm comes and it rages. Lightning is just as brilliant. Thunder just as loud. The winds blowing just as fast. The storm and rains pounding against the side of it just as much. But you are seeing it from a place of safety. This is what it looks like for us. For we are hidden in Christ Jesus. 
This is what it looks like. I'm not saying that it's any less of a fear, but it's a fear without fear. It's fear of the storm from a place of safety hidden away. It's, it's, it's fear of the consuming fire in the midst of the kingdom that is unshakable. He's still a consuming fire, but we are looking at it from a kingdom that is unshakable. We see it from Jesus Christ. So it's still fear, but it's different because we are seeing it from inside him. So move from fear of that lesser and understand what it means to truly fear God, but then look at him through the eyes of faith in Christ Jesus from the cleft of the rock who cares for you and for me. And yes, it is incredibly fearful. To fall into the hands of an angry God. But it is an incredibly beautiful thing to be in the hands of Christ Jesus. Who shields us from that wrath. So if you fear, if you find yourself afraid, maybe the problem is that you do not fear enough the right things. And if maybe you don't fully grasp what Jesus Christ has done for you, oh, maybe you need to and see in light of what he has accomplished. Because here's what I think fear of God should look like for a believer. There's a verse that it's not going to be on the screen, it's not going to be on your notes today, but I, I just love it. It's uh, Psalm 2, verse 11. Here's what it says. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Oh, that's good. Rejoice, have joy with trembling. That's what it looks like. The reason my son was asking, are we going to have more tornadoes tonight? was because he wanted to go back to the safe room. He wanted there to be more storms so he could be more safe along with the rest of the family. And true fear and understanding of what we deserve in Christ Jesus leads us to rejoice with trembling the storms are as fierce, but we're safe in the cleft of the rock that is Christ Jesus. And this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So don't reduce fear of God to just mere respect. Fear him more, but fear him in light of Jesus Christ who said to you, do not be afraid, only believe, have faith in Christ Jesus, and all of those other things are lessened as we properly fear God. So move from fear to fear to a new kind of fear in Christ Jesus. That's what I would ask you to do. And if you find in yourself that you still have such anxiety, because Satan plays so easily on our anxieties and builds them up with lies, this is just how Satan moves. I mean, let's just be clear about that. If you find that that's the case, there's a prayer that I would ask you to pray. Psalm 86, 
verse 11, which says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Fear him most. You'll fear others less. And as you fear him in Christ Jesus, you will fear the consuming fire as those who are in the kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is what it looks like for us. C.S. Lewis used to believe, or said that he believed that part of our fear is mapping. Just as he said that we have a, he quoted Augustine and talked about Augustine and said that in the same way that we crave something we do not have. He said that our baseline of fear and that as humans comes from a recognition of the fact that we are just like Adam. We have heard God and we are afraid. He said that really what it comes down to is we recognize the fact that we deserve judgment. And so there is fear and we map other things on top of it. This is essentially what C.S. Lewis said, except of course he said it so much greater than I just did. I'm convinced of the fact that in reality, I don't know that I'm actually afraid of sharks. You see, when I was growing up, I never learned to swim. Nobody ever taught me to swim. And I, I love this because now, like, kids are not as expendable as we once were, you know? In spite of the fact that I didn't know how to swim, they would send me out into Lake Michigan and just expect that I would float or somehow make it back. And I did. I, I'm thankful for that. But But I think in reality, I wasn't afraid of the sharks. I think in reality, I was just afraid of drowning. And I mapped over the top of that this other fear. And I'm convinced, just as C.S. Lewis was, that many of our fears are a baseline recognition of the fact that ultimately we deserve judgment. So I think we need to look that full on in the face. But we need to look it full on in the face from the cleft of the rock who cares for us, Christ Jesus. And we need to see it in light of what he has accomplished. And he is still a consuming fire that has not changed. But we've come to a different mountain. And we have a different mediator and we have a better blood, the blood of Christ Jesus. So if you deal with fear, pray that you would, he would unite your heart to fear his name, but that you would fear it properly as those who are found in Christ Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me be really clear about this. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is real. And apart from Christ Jesus, we have no hope. There's nothing but Jesus. It's only in him. And so if you've not put your faith in Christ Jesus, there is no hope. 
And so this morning, you have an opportunity to do that very thing. To say, Christ Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I put my faith in you. I recognize that the cross was enough for my sins, and only the cross was enough for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And if you do that, if you put your faith in him, your sins can be forgiven and you will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. I want to give you an opportunity to do that very thing. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to put my faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to declare him as Lord of my life. And I would encourage you to do the same this morning as I pray. Just pray along with me. Put your faith in him. And this morning, afresh and anew, if you are dealing with fears this morning, I don't know where those come from. I believe that vast majority are the, are, are the enemy attacking you. And I'm not telling you to fear those less. I'm telling you to fear God more. But in light of Christ Jesus and what he has accomplished. Would you pray with me? Father, I do come to you right now, Lord, knowing that I have no way to approach your throne, but in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus alone. Oh God, I recognize that I cannot do it on my own. That if it were, if it were up to me, if I was all the hope I had, I would be lost. I am lost apart from Christ Jesus. But I know that in him, I know that in him I am safe. Because God truly, 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 it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry and living God. I have no doubt about that. But God, I know that in Christ Jesus, I put myself in your hands and I am safe. May I fear you more that I might fear others less. Fear what others think less because I, 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 I fear what you think more. But then may I come only in the name of Christ Jesus today, hidden in the cleft of the rock that is Christ. For any who are in here right now who, for the very first time, are putting their faith in Christ, saying, I need Jesus. Right now, I confess with my mouth that he is Lord of my life. And I pray that all of us would, that we confess with our mouths, you are Lord of my life this morning. And I put my faith in the fact that the scriptures are true of Jesus, that he is who he said he is. He has done what he has said he has done, and that he has been raised from the dead. I thank you for that. My faith is in that today. I pray for all of us. I pray against the attacks of the enemy on this church. I pray that he would find no foothold in our minds with anxieties or fears, in our bodies with, with uh, any sort of sickness in the name of Jesus. I pray health and strength over this church. And as we move forward, I pray against any attack of the enemy. May he find no foothold here. May the fiery darts of the enemy be extinguished by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Christ Jesus. May we fear you more in light of Christ, I pray, more and more every day. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to leave this as a place of worship and prayer. If you're in here and you need prayer for anything this morning, this prayer team would just love to pray with you as others step out and head out the doors. Would you step down and come down to the front, especially if you just prayed for the very first time asking Christ to lay hold of your life. This would be a good step for you to take. Instead of stepping out, step down and come down to the front. This prayer team has committed not just to pray for you today, but all week long. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. As you go, may you go not fearing less, but fearing more in light of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless.